Welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks to our supporting partner, Aura. Now, my guest this week is Julian Coram. Now, Julian is an inspector at South Australian Police, currently posted as the Metropolitan Operations Support Coordinator. Now, interestingly, he was a police officer in the UK for four years before emigrating to Adelaide in 2009 to join South Australian Police. More on that in a moment. He served in numerous postings, including general patrols, traffic intelligence, operation planning, security response, before being promoted to inspector in 2020. Now, in response to the escalating retail crime, he formulated and coordinated Operation Measure, which aimed to tackle repeat and organised retail criminals. Now, Operation Measure was a three-month operation, which has been running for nearly two years and has made over a thousand arrests of repeat and serious offenders. The operation grew and has spin-off campaigns, including partnerships with Crime Stoppers. And it goes on and on and gets more and more publicity. It is excellent. Uh, Julian, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Paul. And, um, good to see you. Yeah, it's uh, really good to, uh, to, to catch up again. Now, before we get going, I've got to ask the question. Young Julian, in his short trousers, at school, staring out of the window, did you always want to enter policing? Oh, no, I sort of fell into it. I had a, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Sports journalism would have been probably number one. Um, or watch anything and everything sports-wise. And then I had two or three friends join the police and they started earning a decent wage and seemed to be enjoying it and um, encouraged me in. So it hasn't always been the pipe dream, but certainly um, grasped it and started enjoying it and all the different career options that are open to you from there. Yeah, it's certainly those that I do talk to in the police. It is always an incredibly varied journey. Now, so you've decided maybe not sports journalism, and I assume uh, a professional sportsman was probably on the uh, on the radar as well at some point. I know uh, uh, you keep your hand in. And you've got is it three or four children that are sporty as well, so there's always lots to do on that front. But um, was it a case of okay, I'm just going to apply uh, to the UK police? Did you get straight in, and then how do we go from? that through to um you know where we're sat now with blue skies behind you sure so um yeah i reckon i waited two years to get in in the uk and then i was there for um, four years but at about year three south australia and western australia started a uk recruitment drive and um, obviously thought what a lifestyle um opportunity that was it was just more, um my wife and i who was then my, my girlfriend or fiance um, we decided to apply and um, she's a police officer as well. We were both accepted um, and then migrated, got married um, a week before and then had a big send off leaving party and um, went to it. Never been to Adelaide before, uh, landed and just thought, you know, it was a really great place and went from there. It was a great, great place to raise a family and that's what we wanted. So I'm um, really happy with uh, how it's all turned out for us. Oh, that's amazing. So you actually landed in Adelaide having never even visited you were so confident with the switch yeah i mean we, we'd both been backpacking around australia and done sydney and the more traveled sort of east coast tourist side queensland and up, up that side um but adelaide yeah not really on the tourist map but um a beautiful city and great lifestyle opportunities here and and so when you did first uh start just just talk to me about you know the specific uh, you know tasks roles that you were doing and then sort of how the retail crime landscape if you like came to your attention ah oh, when during when i started in australia or yeah. when how what measure came around well when you land you get thrown into a general duties position 
you know, you, you earn your stripes again, so to speak. So everyone, all the UK recruits come over and they all start in back on the beat, um, do a few years on the beat and then progress through to different areas that you've got an interest in. Traffic was my thing. I really liked that. And then I was in charge of the watch house for a while, which is the big sort of big custody center. And then um, did project work and got promoted. But um, yeah, retail crime, I just, I never realized um I suppose had an appreciation of the underreporting and the size of it. It just blew as I lifted the lid and sort of went deeper in, just blew my mind how how huge an industry um there is actually tackling it. I couldn't believe it. And the, the support's been outstanding from everyone. So if you were to look back now, what what was it? What was the retail crime landscape like when you sort of came up with the idea for operation measure and you sort of put it together? I mean, as you as you looked at it, what did you see? I think as as police officers, we generally look at most things through the police lens. So you look at, you know, how many reported um, shop thefts have we had? How many reported assaults on shop workers have we got? You, you generally don't, even though you know it's underreported, you don't know how, how badly. So you look at a trend and say, oh, there's been a certain percentage rise. But when you look at your, your bigger data and speak to the retailers and they let you know that they perhaps only report one in 10 or one in 20, you realize the scale it's just um that was really what what sort of blew my mind and and you know there you are you've sort of got this idea um how did you sell it internally were you pushing on a sort of an open door with partners and the the senior officers or did you have to sort of fight because i know it was just three months initially wasn't it was that was the the first scope yeah, it was. It was three months. And this is part of the intel. We did a big intel analysis and, you know, the, the stat around 60 or 70 percent of the crimes are um, done by a minority, uh, five to 10 percent of people. That's what we wanted to uh, try and nail down. So the biggest bang for buck and return would be by targeting the recidivists. So that was the message to um, the four district commanders, four superintendents was you're going to give me a couple of staff each. And then we're going to use them to target retail crime. Um, the reception was pretty lukewarm because um, it was, you know, I'm not sure shoplifting is that important. And it, the messaging then is, well, actually, it's not shoplifting. This is organized stuff. And the guys that are doing it are also breaking into houses and they're breaking into cars and they're drug offenders. And some of them are firearms offenders. You know, it's if, if you could get them off the street, you're actually going to decrease your general crime. And that was the message that really was key to the whole operation is they're the same people um and th and then obviously after that that was uh we got pretty good support it was probably the first arrest the first big arrest that we had that was the game changer and and i've just got to ask of, of the four did they all you know did you get one and then they felt like sort of felt like dominoes as to get on board or is it, it was kind of did you get them all in a room and bash some heads together no, I wouldn't ignore my email for about a week and I kept ringing him and I wouldn't go away. So like I say, it wasn't hugely popular because, you know, we're going through the same recruiting issues as everyone else. So we don't have a huge amount of staff. And when you're asking for additional staff, it's never, never a popular request. Mm. But um, and, and we were asking for good, motivated people who want to do quite complex work as well, because we're piecing series together. It's not a quick one and done incident. You know, you're placing 20, 30 in some instances over 100 charges together so that when i talk about that first arrest that was a guy who did um 30 something bottle shop thefts and normally a, a um in australia we have a bottle shop you can't walk into your 
Tesco's and put your wine off the shelf. It's all separate licensing. So there was somebody stealing spirits from um, the same liquor place. And um, basically, we, if we put them in front of the court for one, get quite a minor penalty. But we put 30-something charges together, charged him with the lot, and he got remanded. And then a home detention, and he was a breaker. So that was really the um, that sort of Condor moment that uh, opened everyone's eyes to, you know, this can achieve something uh, for everybody. And and you, you sort of talk about that almost fondly. Is that that first big one is that you if you like your your proudest success was that the catalyst for it going from three months to uh to to the longevity it's got or is there another big one now you think okay well i was i was on channel nine nine news for that one that that was the big whale that that's given it legs for for decades the one of the district superintendents the one that ignored my email he's fantastic a really really good leader um, he's the one that was quite resistant to give me anybody. It was his guys that made that arrest. And we do a, a metropolitan uh, meeting every week and we go through highlights of things that have happened in their area. And he opened the meeting with that arrest. And he was the most difficult one to bring on board. So that was what was rewarding is having somebody acknowledge that was really worthwhile. Yeah, fantastic. So whether you get him to record it to camera so you can have it for posterity if, uh, if ever it comes back again. So look, You've gone from, you know, that initial three months. How would you describe, you know, the the, the operation now in terms of, you know, the staff that are there permanently? Do you get people assigned and then they go back to other other functions? How, what's it grown to and what does it look like today? Uh, we've got eight team members. So of the eight, we've got three original members. Um, so Andrew, Mike and Emily have been there since day one. Um, and they're all absolutely fantastic. The, the really key thing with this is relationships. So having good relationships with the retailers and the LPO managers is, is absolutely critical. But we've also had it as development as well. So it's good having some constant and then some people come through. So they've used it to people that have come in, have gone off and become detectives. They've also um, gone off and done other roles and gained promotions as a result of you know some of the experience that they've picked up with us. Um, so it, it doesn't matter if you have people coming in and going through, as long as when they're here, they're really committed. Um, but it's it sort of spreads the word when they go out to other areas. People learn they've been in op measure and it sh shares some of the skill sets that they have. It's, it, they pass on, you know, do you realize that this is such a big issue? And it, it grows some of the, um, you know, the internal knowledge as well. So that's a good thing. And, and, and I'm right in saying, yeah, the number of arrests is phenomenal i mean it must be must be just about the highest arrest count of, of any function within uh within the police i mean the success has been just astronomical it's yeah it's really significant and the charge list would probably be over six thousand charges laid because wow. it's not just the eight team members that are doing it you know they're collating the investigations i've got an intel team behind the scenes who are um putting people up as persons of interest so if somebody's pulled over for a breath test or you know, they're stopped in the street because, you know, we just check in on who they are and they're flagged for all these various offences. Then they're obviously arrested and dealt with at the time. So that's like a force multiplier effect as well. And, and I don't know whether you collate this, but have you got any idea of, you know, the individuals that you get and arrest and charge, you know, the number of um, uh, charges that that goes with each one? Because like you say, if it's one low level you know, theft of, of some bottles, that's just going to get a relatively minor um, 
reaction from the courts. But like you say, that very first one, custodial sentence, is there a is there a sweet spot? Is there a goal? Can you say, well, actually, we get custodial sentences because most of the people we're dealing with have committed multiple offences? Yeah, we, all right. Most of the people that we're targeting an op measure or become an op measure target, they're the ones that are um, already, you know, they're generally on the radar or right. they're emerging. And once they start um, committing crimes, it's quite consistent. So, yeah, it, it's not to say that one offence or six offences will get custodial because it might not if it's low value or one if it's a really significant one. It's just probably the person that we're targeting and the type of offending, um, you know, the your, your customer aggression um, and then your your series guys. So that, it is hard to tell. But um, the big thing is that you can disrupt that behaviour. And obviously you can put controls like bail and banning orders and um, even barring them from public transport if they're using public transport to, um, you know, commit their crimes. So there's plenty of levers that we can pull. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, um, you've got huge fans within, um, you know, the retail community in, in Australia. Lots of people are, you know, talk up what you do and they've got, uh, you know, big, big kudos to share. But this is actually sort of travelled the world in terms of other police forces and other retail organisations looking to to what you do and thinking, you know, how do we replicate that? I mean, the whole programme has been incredibly well received and a, and a ton of accolades from a, around the world as well so i, I hope you're getting uh, uh the, the the recognition that that you deserve internally because you must be aware of how far and wide the impact's been yeah it's, it's been amazing to be honest paul i mean um i, I spoke at um that the um Pat, with patrick holdaway the other day and did a presentation at their um spox meeting um i've had people from that meeting email me you know so it's been been amazing. Other ju jurisdictions from Australia have reached out to see what we're up to, and um, because they're getting positive feedback from the retailers of why don't you have a go at this and look at it, it's it's that return because you have somebody that's um, going in and causing issues in the store and scaring their staff. You can remove that person and you know take some positive action and then feed it back that that's what you've done. It's it's really 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 powerful. It almost feels like you need to go on secondment to uh, to, to a few of the forces in various other, other countries, because I know you mentioned Patrick Holdaway, their business crime lead in the UK, and he's getting um, pressures the right, in the right way. But to replicate and try and replicate and he's doing his best and doing a great job. But, you know, looking at, at you as the as the benchmark. So maybe maybe there's a, you know. Patrick's doing maybe there's a job swap to be done I'm sure Patrick could appreciate the sunshine and perhaps you can go and uh, rattle a few things together in the UK uh, I'm always happy to share ideas I'm not sure I want to swap climates we'll see how it goes <laughs> yeah not not at the minute so look you know you've got these successes the arrests are continue to tick over you know where next for the program how big can you take this uh, I'd love to identify um, probably relevant people at the same level within other jurisdictions and whether we can put together a day of action or we can um, work out if we've got people moving Australia-wide that we can help to target and, and really leverage that. Because we've had some investigations which we've had people um, committing frauds all across Australia where we've worked together. But it's, um, it's sometimes challenging because within policing, it's so dynamic. People move roles so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so having identifying who, the, who or where the appropriate contacts are just to keep that and communication consistent. That's probably the goal for me is um, 
where to next because Opmeasure's doing um, really good things in South Australia. But if we can influence other states and, you know, they've got their own priorities, then um, if we can and they can uh, target those recidivist people as well, I think that would be a really positive thing. So, so if you expand it across Australia, surely that's then going to, uh, you know, it's got to go international. That has to be the next phase after that because, you know, the, the, these things just cross cross borders as well, don't they? Uh, and that's the thing with policing, Paul. It's um, it's the same the world over. You know, I came from the UK, and it's sort of same but different because you know the offending's there, but the that behaviour pattern is really similar. So, by you know, you take the same concept of you target those repeat people, um, and it will make an impact, and and it really has. So it's really not rocket science. It's just um, it's common sense, I suppose. You uh, you target your problem people, and it's. Uh, if it can be replicated other places and they get good bang for buck and obviously the retailers can be safe and workers are workers are happy it can only be a good thing yeah it's a common sense often translate to uh to great people who are highly motivated and and well resourced it's um you know it common sense can actually be quite difficult to put together so uh you know uh, make sure you continue to do the do the good work so look 2024 you know we're at the start of the year there's a, a goal to expand the program but you know is that the main thing for you? you you sort of take it further have you got other personal goals are you going to be continuing to to lead op measure and um, certainly i've been told otherwise at the moment <laughs> yeah. so the the two-year um time frame i suppose for op measure would be march but um i can't see it ending anytime soon whether it takes a different form like throughout the life of the operation it's had it's changed somewhat so, you know, you, it keeps evolving, it keeps moving. And we've had, you know, Crime Stop, two different Crime Stoppers campaigns just to keep momentum and make sure that we're always trying to push the boundary and get the best result that we can. So where it goes from here, you know, we've had additional meetings with retailers coming on and really good information sharing. You know, they're now directly telling us before it's even been reported to us who the problem people are, what they're noticing, you know, giving us more and more information. So that's what I would hope is that we continue to get better information, share more intelligence, you know, and develop those relationships even further. And um, that's probably where I see the operation going, whether it takes a different form, even becomes a business as usual type function. So it's not just a, a stood up operation. It gets integrated somehow to our you know, general operations. That's that's where I think we'll be going this year. Yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. I guess that is is the aim when it becomes so embedded. It just becomes a business as usual function. And then you can focus on the next big thing. And and next big thing, more accolades uh, possibly on the way. We've got the uh, Australian Fraud Awards on the 29th of Feb at the Accor Stadium, the Olympic Stadium in, in Sydney. And uh, yet again, uh, you're sort of up for some recognition as uh, as doing an outstanding retailer and, and policing collaboration so i'll keep my uh, fingers crossed for you for that one but it's uh you know it's it's it's, uh, it's great that you're shortlisted yet again thanks paul yeah it, it's awesome i never um you know as as police you generally get feedback and it's not always positive it's generally when you haven't done a very good job so to get positive feedback and be told you know we'd been nominated um last year which sort of came as a real surprise for me um, was absolutely awesome and then to win the award was was brilliant because Mike and uh, Andrew two of the team members came over for uh, the fraud awards and they just had the best time they uh, 
they said they felt like absolute VIPs because the, the retailers were coming up and they all wanted to meet them and, and have a chat, um, which, which is just fantastic for us. So, yeah, brilliant to be recognised. Really nice. Yeah, it's good. good nice that they get the rock star uh, moment, even if it's just for a few hours and bask in the celebration. So long may that, may that continue. Yeah, it's a, it's a great event and um, we're, we're really glad to be nominated. Yeah, so uh, no, I'm looking forward to uh, to being there as well. Not least because uh, the weather will be significantly better than uh, the New York and uh, and UK weather I've been subjected to over the last few days. Um, Julian, it's always an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to uh, to give us an update on what's going on. The work is absolutely spectacular, uh, and I really uh, you know, can't say enough about uh, what you do and how well received it is, uh, both in Australia and around the world. It, it really does flag up and come up in conversations in many, many continents that I'm fortunate enough to find myself on. So um, do bask in that. I wish you all the success at the Australian Fraud Awards. Uh, but for now, thank you very much indeed. That's amazing. Thanks, Paul.